G'day and welcome to Property Australia's favourite obsession. My name's Jeremy Cownan and this is a Quick Hits episode where you get your weekly property fix to get you through the week. Today is another important topic. See, we're always taught that land goes up in value. It was Mark Twain who famously said, buy land, they're not making any more. And it's true. But then, does it make sense just to buy land? And if that's the case, then why would anyone ever buy an apartment without any land content? So here today to take the confusion out of this investing motherhood is real estate professional Omar Muljali from Examine Property. Omar, welcome to Property, Australia's favourite obsession. G'day Jeremy, thanks for having me. Oh, it's always fun, Omar. So let's start. We've heard those quotes that lands goes up in value and we need to buy land, they're not making any more, etc. So how does this work with apartments that don't have any land content? Oh, they all have some land content, Jeremy. So it just varies uh, in terms of um, how much land content they have and just where that land is located um, pretty much dictates um, the value of that of that asset. So when we think about, like, let's start with this. You know, we've got an apartment, say, that uh, it's a thousand, or we've got a, sorry, a block of land that's, uh, say, a thousand square metres. If we've got a house on it, that's pretty clear. You know, we've got a thousand square metres that goes along with that house. If we've got a that same block of land and we build 10 units on it, then do we just amortise a thousand uh, square metres over those 10 units? So we each get basically 100 square metres of land each? Um yeah, you, you, yeah, that's part of it, but there's also, um, you know, views and things like that that you need to, um, you know, take into consideration. So um, it's a pretty complex way we, you know, that you come up with a with a value for something. But yeah, land and obviously the build is um, the major component in that. So if you've got, um, you know, say you're buying land out in the in the suburbs, it might cost. Twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars per box that they're building. Um, if you're buying land closer to the city, they could be paying you know hundreds, hundreds, of, hundreds of thousands to um, acquire that per apartment that they can build. So the the land co- the construction costs will be fairly similar. The land components a lot higher if you if you're doing something closer to the to the city where land values are a lot higher, or on the water, or um, you know in Byron Bay or, or wherever that might be. So we're talking there about the, the the locational advantages of of different pieces of land, aren't we? That that the better located um, the piece of land, then the more valuable be. So the closer it is to jobs and shopping and in um, entertainment and infrastructure, hospitals and lifestyle, that sort of stuff, uh, it'll drive the price of that particular uh, piece of land. Yeah, definitely. And and adding to that. Um just a scarcity. So you, you might have two neighbouring suburbs, but one suburb, there's nothing available. You might have sort of one panel be the shop that you can knock down and, and build a, you know some apartments. And then in the, the neighbouring suburb, you've got you know thousands of uh, square metres of industrial land that can be converted into apartments. The, the land price in that area is going to be a, you know, a lot, lot lower than the suburb with, with no, no land available for them to acquire um, to build apartments or or townhouses or, or whatever it is. So am I going to be better off, Omar, buying a house on a large block of land or, or a unit? It just depends where that's located. So, um, you know, if you can buy a house within 5, 10 Ks of the, you know, the CBD, if that's within your budget, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're buying, you know, a house 50, 60 Ks out, um, surrounded by more farmland that you can add more future supply, then um, that might not be the, the best investment. You might be better off buying an apartment in a suburb on the city fringe where there's no supply um, and very little 
potential of future supplying. Um, so it just depends, Jeremy. That yes, buy land, they're not making any more of it. But it, again, it just depends where that land um, is located into how much future capital growth um, you will have. And um, there is a study from 2011 commissioned by the Reserve Bank of Australia that just showed the further you move away from the capital city, the less potential you have uh, for capital growth. And um, obviously scarcity comes into that, but also um, the inability of government to keep up um, with infrastructure as the population grows. So it just takes longer and longer to travel in, um, you know, from the from the suburbs um, out on the fringes into the CBD and um, the demand, you know, for land in, in closer proximity just skyrockets and prices follow. And that scarcity for land, it's interesting how that works, both the further you move out of the city, then the more available land. And you've used the example there before about, um, you know, buying a house, you know, home and land package right on the fringe that's next to farmland. So there's a lot of supply that could come on. But we can use the same argument for inner city apartments, can't we? That even though there's restrictions on the availability of land, the fact that those lands um, in the inner cities come with very um, uh, large amounts of air rights where they can build up and amortise the cost of that land um, going you know, higher and higher and higher you know, means that there's a lot more potential supply that can come on board within a city as well, isn't there? Yes, definitely. But, um, you know, you're not going to – no one's going to go into the city and, and buy a block of land and put 10 apartments on it. Like you just, you just cannot – sell them for the the what it would cost to do that so you know if they increase airspace then the, the value of the land goes up so if you can build higher um then the cost of the of the land will definitely go up as well so um it's just yeah it's just about scarcity and, and the, the price of land and price of land in the cbd will always always grow more than the, the price of um you know similar size block out in the, in the suburbs so um it's just common common sense, and I think people can see that um, it's just a no brainer. And that's really why, you know, as you said, you know, we don't see um, uh, houses on Madison Avenue or Pitt Street or, or Collins Street, do we? I mean, you just can't afford to buy the land. That no. land always has to be used for the most productive value. It's it's going to be you know forced to. So those pieces of land on those you know very highly prized streets are always going to be amortised into much taller buildings, um, using utilising as much of the air rights above them. Yeah, it's the the most productive use for that land. Um, it's just not uneconomical to put the to put a little mansion on a on a block in Collins Street. It's you just couldn't get enough money for it. And it's also very important too, isn't it, to match the demographics of what we're looking at, um, both in uh, social demographics as well as the price demographics to what's around it, isn't it, as to making sure we we're not buying an apartment block in the sticks, for example, or apartment in the in in you know where it's surrounded by land. I mean, a house and land package can be ordinary enough from an investment point of view, but to be purchasing you know, a, a, a unit out, um, you know, where there, there's no demand for it is, is, is going to be disastrous. No, there's no use buying a one bedroom in an area where, you know, the average family has four kids. So, um, you know, you, you have to buy to suit, especially the owner-occupied owner demographic in that area. So, you know, one example we use, most people know these two suburbs, but say a Newtown or a Surrey Hills in Sydney or a St Kilda, um, you know, in, in Melbourne. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of, lone person household so singles living on their own or couples with no kids or same-sex couples with um, 
no children. So they you know, generally they're in a white collar profession, busy professionals, you know, could be studying as well, their masters or, or whatnot. So they just want that, you know, convenience. That's all they need. They don't need a, you know, five bedroom apartment um, to live in, in that, in that area. And they'll buy that as an owner occupier to live there for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So um, whereas out in the suburbs, you know, someone buying an apartment is generally going to be an investor or they could be, you know, some you know, young couple that just got married, grew up in that area, want to be next to their parents. So they'll buy that two bedroom apartment, maybe live in it for a year or two, but eventually they want that four or five bedroom um, house in, the, in that suburb long-term. So you, you've got to buy for what the you know, owner-occupier um, population wants long-term. It'll give you stability. So COVID hits, investors vanish, owner-occupiers are, are still buying. Um, GFC hits, you're in the Gold Coast, service departments, tourism drops, um, you know, the economy's shot. You know, who's going who's gonna to want to buy that service department off you? But if you've got an established house, you know, um, people will buy that if it's an owner-occupier type dwelling. So you remember during the GFC, Jeremy, the auctions were full of Porsches and Ferraris. Um, mm. You know, that's the first thing that people get rid of their toys when they're in financial distress. The next thing is going to be their, you know, their holiday units and, and um, that type of thing. The last thing they're going to sell is the house they live in. So that's, that's the asset that they um, hang on to as, um, as a last resort. So you, you, want, you want to buy that type of um, property for that area. But that could be a one or two bedroom apartment um, on the city fringe. And if you're out in the suburbs, it will mean a four or five bedroom um, house on a on a large block. I'd say, or it could be um, a townhouse in between. I mean, as we as we've talked about the you know in the city that uh, the land's going to be used for the most uh, productive value. So um, you know, a piece of land in the city is going to be amortised up higher. Um, the same thing happens in that uh, ring around the city as well, where older houses are being knocked down, and you've got that infill for again um, the land being used for the most productive use. Yep, definitely. So you want to buy a townhouse or a duplex in, in those type of areas. You don't want to go to a house of land package area and um, where there's still ample supply coming on in the future and, and buy a townhouse. So I see that's one mistake a lot of investors um, generally make. Um, so yeah, you need to, where land is tight, tightly held, very expensive to acquire. It just keeps the value of that, that property um, moving up with the rest of the market. Mm. It is um, it, it is interesting. Like we come from a background, don't we? Historically, of Australia, you know, having quarter acre blocks and a hill source out the back, etc. Um, that now, you know, lifestyle is changing now, and and part of that is being driven for the cost of land that you just can't afford to have that quarter acre block in a location where you know you're close to amenities etc that those quarter acre blocks have got to be in field um, to be used for the highest productive value, aren't they? Yep. Definitely. Yeah, the trend can change from time to time. I think there's a bit of uh, hype in the market at the moment that due to COVID, you know, that's you know, these bigger houses, extra bedrooms. Um, that's what people are going to demand. And that's a sort of short-term thing. I think long-term, the trend, you know, has been, um, you know, to, to live closer to the city, more apartments, townhouses, duplexes um, in prime locations. Um, and it'll pretty much return to that, to that trend moving forward. And of course, regardless of um, whether we're talking, um, you know, apartments or, or or a house, you know, we need to make sure that wherever we purchase there, there isn't that overdevelopment because that would just flood supply and bring prices down, won't it? 
yeah, definitely. You could tick all the boxes and that could be the last, um, generally it's the last piece of the, the, the jigsaw that um, you should be, should be looking at. Like once that supply dries up, you know, you will um, return to trend, but um, it could cause some, some short-term um, reduced capital, capital growth compared to um, other suburbs um, with similar drivers that don't have as much supply. What about that uh, argument that a lot of people use, Omar, that land goes up in value and houses depreciate, that, you know, the actual construction on top of the dirt, you know, gets cheaper and cheaper until it's worth nothing, whereas the whereas the dirt itself has always got that intrinsic value and always going um, to be grow because of the location of it. What do you say to that? Look, I think from a tax perspective, that's definitely um, the case. But well-built properties like you know, you talk about Collins Street and places like that. Just go look at these older buildings that are, you know, 100, 200 years old. They still have a probably very significant value, much more than what it costs to produce them. So, you know, there comes a stage with the rise in construction and labour costs where, you know, people start to look at the replacement value of that of that property. But, yeah, definitely if you've got an old shack that you derelict and you can't live in, then it's pretty much sort of land value. But if you've got a decent house that... It'll cost you, you know, a lot more, um, you know, to to replace it with a with a similar house. Um, yeah, there, there comes a stage where the value of that building starts to starts to appreciate. Um, definitely, I think people can can see that with the cost of building materials and um, cost of services, the architect, what they charge, um, the engineers, the town planners. You know, the costs keep rising for every element in construction and. The government charges rise, the, the, the council contributions, the infrastructure levies, they keep rising. So the, the replacement value just keeps going up and up and up. So there could be some short-term, you know, obviously diminishing in value, um, but it comes to a stage where that, that definitely reverses. So is it fair to say that, um, you know, buying a well-located unit could be as profitable as buying a large block of land despite the disparity in land contact to those uh, two investments? Yes, definitely. If you're buying in an area, you know, prime area close to the city with you know, very little past and future supply then um, and the demographic matches it, then, you know, a unit in St Kilda will generally grow you know, a lot better than a house uh, out in the sticks so, uh, or in a regional area as well. And that's why a you know, two-bedroom apartment in St Kilda, a good one, is a million dollars. And a five-bedroom house in a country regional area could be $200,000. Like if you had the same growth drivers, that house would be worth you know, the same as um, you know, a house in St Kilda, which would be millions of dollars. So um, you know, land captures all the gains. That's where you know, um, all the productivity and economic gains and infrastructure and all that go back into the scarcity. And that's why houses close to the city, apartments close to the city, townhouses close to the city are expensive for a reason because they've been growing over time due to the popularity of that. It once again just comes back to our five drivers, doesn't it, Omar, that understanding the drivers and how those drivers interrelate with the piece of uh, real estate that you're uh, looking at at a particular time. So, look, let's wrap it up there. Thanks so much for joining me, um, Omar. If listeners want to get in contact to have a chat, how's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, just jump on our website, www.examineproperty.com.au. Um you can contact us through there. If you want to shoot me an email, it's just omar at examineproperty.com.au um, and our 1300 number is also listed uh, on the website. 
or you can contact us through um, the, the fantastic financial planners at Count and Flack as well. Oh, that's always fun. Thank you, Omar. We'll put those details in the show notes below. Thanks for uh, joining me. Um, of course, if you've got any questions or think we can provide you with any assistance in your property journey, we'd love to talk with you. Um, and don't forget, if you have enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell your friends about Property Australia's favourite obsession. I've been your host, Jeremy Cowan, and until next time, Omar, let's keep obsessing about property. Cheers, Jeremy. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone, as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, History and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Calvin Flack has a commercial relationship with guests appearing on this production. 